0: This is Rob and Steve here for another exciting episode of the N64 U podcast, coming at you with high-end amateur reviews and scoring for all your favorite and unknown N64 titles. Today in episode 13, we'll be taking a look at Blast Core, a truly unknown
1: title. That is right, Steven. Blast Core. It was uh developed by Rare and published by Nintendo in 1997. And this is actually uh Rare's first game for the N64, which would obviously uh be the beginning of a very successful string of games for the N64.
0: You know, we've played a few rare games at this point in our uh, podcast, and I got to tell you, I do think now after having played a
1: few, they definitely have a distinct touch and feel to each of their games. I I think that for this one in particular, too, it's it, it has that kind of rare sheen. Yes, definitely. That polish. But it also is like this game is... One of the most unique games that I've ever played, for sure.
0: I agree completely. I actually think this game definitely is different. It's not something we've seen a whole heck of a lot of, honestly. Um, And knowing how early it came out on the
1: N64 tech-wise really impressed me. Absolutely. And with that, Stephen, could you please remind our beautiful audience of the categories that we'll discuss today?
0: Of course. Our categories are mechanics, how the game is structured, gameplay, how the game progresses through that existing structure, followed by difficulty, sound design, visual presentation, and finally, modern day appeal. How well does this game hold up today, and is it a game you'd want to play now? As this is a puzzle game, we will be leaving the category
1: of story out of today's episode. Excellent. Well, let's let's get into mechanics, Steve. You want to start us off? Yes, definitely. I'd love to. So... For
0: mechanics, I'll give you a little bit of a background for this game. This game is a destruction-based puzzle game with an objective to clear a path so that a nuclear carrier can make it across the map without hitting anything. Um, in the path, uh, there are different buildings, fences, barrels, all sorts of obstacles that you have to destroy in
1: different vehicles. Yeah, it's it's like I said, man, this is one of the most unique games that I've ever heard of. Like, what? That description is... It- is ridiculous
0: i agree you don't often hear of a puzzle slash like action game i guess right like and i think that's kind of how i'd categorize this one
1: yeah and yeah so you have this like nuclear bomb carrier that's like slowly careening through 57 stages and you know if if you make contact with the carrier or it hits a building or hits anything it explodes, and it's pretty hilariously aggressive.
0: I agree, and I do think, uh, overall, the different cars that they give you are, or different vehicles, I should say, because some are robots, in, in my opinion. I don't know if they, like, are their specific names, but the uh,
1: vehicles that they give you to
0: destroy these make the game all that much more uh, crazy and interesting.
1: Yeah, there is, like, a good bit of variety. You know, they got, like, your standard bulldozer. And then they got, like you said, the giant robots that fly into the sky, come crashing down. There's one robot that, like, somersaults into buildings, which is just amazing. It's wicked funny, actually. Like, even looking at it in the game,
0: it's pretty funny.
1: Yeah, and they got the, you know, the there's a side swipe, which it, like, shoots out these battering rams out of the side. That, that was one of my more favorite vehicles, I think
0: i I actually like i it was almost like it looked like an r c car. I don't remember the name of this particular vehicle, but I love vehicles that have a lot of speed you can do big jumps on. um I actually think that was my favorite
1: that that one was great, and I don't know if you felt the same way as me, Steve, and I know I have a lot of complaints about this later, but that goddamn backlash dump truck thing is the friggin worst man oh.
0: I don't even understand honestly why. That's an option for a car There's really like nothing. There's nothing in front of it to make it like a clean like the, the basic mechanics of this game is drive into buildings and, and crash stuff uh, and smash stuff. Sorry. And there's no sort of plow, nothing on this particular car. So I think it's actually one of the lamer vehicles to get in this. And, and I could just be using this
1: wrong, but I don't know. It didn't seem like it made a whole lot of sense to me. Dude, you're probably not using it wrong. I looked up online to make sure that I wasn't missing anything. And I wasn't. It's it's a it's a pain in the ass. And we can talk about it a little bit more in the uh, controls of gameplay, the gameplay yeah. section. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, other aspects of the game beyond destroying stuff, you actually uh collect points by activating these lights, uh, which you you kind of just run over them and it, and it activates them. So you want to find as many of those to help you get the highest score possible. And you also save civilians weirdly by destroying the building that they're in.
0: Which I don't really doesn't understand the sense. logic there.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it, all that adds up to you trying to get the highest score possible on each level. And you can even get a platinum medal if you get a very high score.
0: And actually, to uh, follow up on the lights there, I I actually kind of like that idea. You know, it's it's it it's one of the more underrated objectives or mechanics in this particular game um, because it almost acts as like a path for you to follow. So I think it does help a little bit um, as a mechanic, even in the gameplay area. So like I think it makes gameplay a little more clear um, by signaling off these lights within the game.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that because sometimes, especially as the game goes on. You have to do more complex things, like you have to get out of your vehicle, get into other vehicles, and it becomes very kind of confusing at a certain point uh, to know where you need to go. So it's nice to have the lights. They are a good, like, kind of guiding hand. I
0: agree. I think the map is, is one of the more difficult features to navigate within this game, um and we can get into some of this within gameplay too, but I do think like the camera angle and the map, I do think really it almost makes this light tracking necessary um, so that you really don't lose track of yourself at any
1: point during the game. Right. Well, uh, with that, Steve, do you want to just dive right into gameplay?
0: I actually have one more uh, mechanic comment I actually wanted to bring up, and this one's not for the positive. Um, I would say overall in this particular game, I actually have been very... Uh, middle of the road on all categories. But the one mechanic I actually found very detestable, actually, um, is the fact that you can complete some of your primary objectives and, like, or complete the puzzle, so to speak, by clearing the path for the nuclear carrier. But you can basically opt to just continue to destroy after that point in time. And I think you do this by getting into like a semi-truck at the end of uh, of a given map. And um, I actually hate this mechanic because I think it inherently takes away from the reward of completing the puzzle. Or uh, hurts even its replayability a little bit because all these puzzles in every single map is a timed puzzle more or less you know x amount of time before the aircraft carrier is going to hit something so you have to do it in let's say two three minutes on a a given map and if you complete that puzzle I think you should be rewarded better for that time of completed puzzle than allowing you to just go and just continue to destroy things after completion of that puzzle to jack up your score so for me I didn't really like that mechanic because I felt as though it pulled
1: away from some of the rewards you get from these puzzles. I don't know if you felt that same way at all, Rob. Uh, I I didn't really have a strong opinion about that aspect. I I think that it added a good like risk reward. Because at that point, you can be like, all right, so I've cleared the runway. The path is cleared. We're good to go. But I want to get the highest score possible still. And you can start kind of just running around and doing all sorts of crap. But... W- what happened to me, at least a couple times, uh, I, I found myself kind of driving around, trying to grab stuff, and I'd crash into the, the carrier and explode and fail the mission. So, like, it, it's, it did add, like, kind of a funny risk-reward aspect of the game is, yeah, you can go around and, like, see more stuff, uh, but you run the risk of, of blowing it. Literally. I hear you.
0: See, for me, I just, I don't know. I like, I, if you don't do enough damage and you complete the puzzle, your score should suffer for that, in my opinion. And um, that's the only reason why I think I didn't like it. Because, like, for me, I love puzzle games. And I'll replay a puzzle just to get the higher score. I hate the fact that I can complete the puzzle and then jack my score up after the fact. Like, if I clear the path without doing enough
1: damage, that there should be a penalty for that. That's just kind of how I view... That type of puzzle game, I guess. Steven, this game is hard enough as it is, man. We don't got to make it more hard. Come on. That's fair. That's fair.
0: All right, Rob, let's, let's say we get into gameplay. You ready?
1: Let's do it, baby.
0: Awesome. Why don't you start us out this time?
1: <sighs> the gameplay. The gameplay, Steven. So I really liked the mechanics of this game. I thought that the way that the game was set up was so cool, so unique, And really, I can't think of anything that's remotely like it, but when it came to actually playing the game, that's really where this game really fell flat for me. Uh, The missions, they start out pretty fun. You know, you kind of have like a honeymoon phase where they're teaching you all the controls and you're seeing all the vehicles and then you're in a robot, giant robot, and you're somersaulting into buildings and you're like, wow, this is great. Wow. I hope this never ends. And then it, the game gets like really hard out of nowhere and uh, it, it really comes down to the controls. The controls are just really slippery and sometimes you need to do these really tight movements with a particular car to, do, uh, to, to solve your puzzle. And it is so frustrating. To try to do something complex when your controls are so slippery, and you got the—you know—you're sweating, the clock is ticking, you know, millions of lives are in the balance, and it just instead of being really intense, I found it just being really frustrating because of uh, those those slippery controls. I actually agree completely with you on this. I find that, that the idea of
0: this game is very interesting, um, but their execution in the gameplay really does fall flat, The in con- the controls being one of the top reasons why. You know, the controls for me, I felt like, had a very, very, very steep learning curve in order to become good at it. And it almost, like, discourages you, quite frankly, Um from playing more, like I felt like the controls caused more of my problems in not solving the puzzle than the actual puzzle did, and for that, I kind of it, it caused me to dislike the da- gameplay a little bit.
1: Right, it's it's almost like you're you're fighting the controls, and exactly you know, a good game. And, and you know, I really wanted to like this game because of how cool the concept was, but a really good game, you you know, the controls should be working with you, not against you. You know.
0: And uh, I just want to add, for me, I had another factor, too, that kind of made the gameplay a little rough, coupled with the difficult controls. I actually felt like the camera angle had a huge factor in how I played this game and why the game was made more difficult. You know, I will say... Because this is 97, this is one of Nintendo's earliest games on the N64. And as we play more and more of these earlier games, it's very clear that there's just a a general camera issue on the system, right? Or it's not very responsive or shows you a very limited view. So I do think a lot of those games have those issues that I do find uh, less fun. But what I found less fun here was not just that uh, responsiveness issue, with the camera. But I actually thought the the true camera angle they gave you for the car, it's uh, like how you looked at the car was weird. You know, it was not like it wasn't a first person view where you're inside the car and it's not like a completely directly above view of the car or a behind view of the car.
1: It's like the it's it's like the isometric viewpoint is what it is. OK, OK, that's great. I, see, I didn't know there was a name for it, honestly. That's it, the fan. That's the fancy term for it. OK, so
0: for me personally, I actually thought that viewpoint with the coupled with the difficult controls really made the gameplay hard because you can't see in front of you like the next 10 steps. Like you can see like pretty much only what's immediately in front of you of what to destroy.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think it's, I think it's personal preference and, and I think it was really, uh, so the camera angle didn't bother me as much as a lot of the uh, like 3d action adventure type games that were really popular at the time. Cause like most of those games had terrible camera setups. This one, I didn't mind so much and I think it was purposeful that they set up the camera angle that way. So you couldn't really see much in front of you and much behind you. And I think the reason is because, you know, you have that, uh, the nuclear carrier slowly on your heels and the fact that you can't see it adds kind of like an extra level of difficulty to it where, you know, you never really like, you can't back up too much because if you do, you might crash into this thing. You don't, you don't really have like a good concept of, And I guess that's like a for better or for worse kind of scenario, you know, like, yeah, it's it's done purposely, but that doesn't necessarily make it a good thing.
0: I I actually do agree. It it does feel very intentional And and I never really thought of it in terms of the aircraft carrier, honestly. And that's actually probably a pretty good argument for why they went that direction, because they maybe want you to fail by hitting the carrier more often and you don't really see it very cleanly all the time.
1: Yeah. I if I could do some more complaining, Steve, would you would you mind? I please let loose. So (laughs) uh, one thing that I I truly did not like about this game is and maybe you notice this as the levels go on is there are some stages that have really long start sequences. Like you get into a train and you drive for like 60 seconds before you get out of the train and then get into another car. And for whatever reason, it's all the hard levels that have these like long opening sequences. So you're trying to beat this level and you fuck it up 10, 20 times. And every single time you have to start by getting into the train and driving for 60 seconds. And just to fuck it up again, huge waste of time. it It just adds the frustration. It's like, I'm a busy man. I can't, be, I can't be spending a minute in this train, you know, 20 times a day. You know, it's, just, it's too much. I agree. And I think that kind of stuff is very indicative of
0: this being an early N64 game. I feel like those type of long scene, like lead up portions, I felt like they were kind of being a little adventurous. I, I don't know if you felt that same way at all, other than just annoyance, but it almost felt like they were, because it was an
1: early game, I feel like they were kind of testing out what they could do. When I. And it's a lot of how I felt about this game in general. But when I first got in that train and I drove 60 seconds down the, the, the railroad track, I was like, wow, this is so cool. And, uh, so much originality. And, and I just loved it. And I just pictured myself looking out the window and just being like, wow, this is so cool. But in reality, that gets old after like the third time you do it. The
0: the the problem they need is they need to cut that out. If you fail that you don't have to do that portion again, but it's uh uh maybe they thought it would be more enjoyable than it really was.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, the more I I think about this game, I think that it was intentional intentionally set up to be difficult and create a challenge. And I'm sure that cuz believe it or not, Stephen, this game is actually uh a pretty popular like b tier game like when you when you move all of the like a tier games out of the way like this is one of the first games that comes up in that conversation so like people like this game uh and maybe it's because you know there's a dedicated crew out there who really likes the challenge of it
0: I I actually d- did read up a little bit on this one before we talked today in terms of, like, because this is one of the very few N64 games that it's just, like, completely off until we decided to play this was completely off my radar. Like, I actually had never heard of this one before, never seen it as a kid or anything like that. So I looked it up just to kind of see what, like, the general thought of it was, and... All the comparables I got were to Rampage, which is a game I loved, um, and a a bunch of stuff out there that was like, oh, my God, this game is incredible. And reading that and actually having played this game, I, I, I do agree with you. I think a lot of these odd decisions that you and I have not personally liked, I do think were extremely intentional. Like, this game, as much as I... I'm I'm neutral on this game. I I wouldn't say I loved it, I wouldn't say I hated it. I feel like I've been very neutral on this particular game. And I will say in playing this game and knowing that it came out in 97 before all the other rare stuff really on N64, it gave me a whole nother level of respect for them as a development group because I do agree with you. I do think a lot of these choices were intentional, not necessarily for me, but it was interesting to see how they could push the limits on the N64 that early, you're like that train scene you're talking about, we have to drive it for 60 seconds. You could not name me another game that came out in 97 that was that crisp and, and, and clean in terms of how it presented itself in riding, riding the train. So I agree. Some of that stuff was like not totally fun for me and, and definitely not fun for you. But I do think um, there is a market out there for it. And I do think it was done intentional and well
1: yeah one thing that is pretty impressive about the game from like a technical perspective is that so many games from the n64 era had this like uh this fog in the distance, and they basically put that fog in the games because of the limitations of the n64 and they were basically, you know when you think of uh, like the rendering distance of a game and how far you can see off in the distance uh. They they put that fog there basically because you know you couldn't see off in the distance for very far, uh, you know due to the the limitations of the console. And this game doesn't really have any of that. They managed to pretty impressively fit everything into the game, and, in a way that was kind of uh, uncommon for the time. I, I I completely agree.
0: Like I think. I don't know if 97 was the first or second year of the N64, but it was definitely early. And... Yeah. the A game that I... We have not played this yet. But a game I, I played a lot as a kid that was pretty much would have come out around the same time as this was Torok. You put those two games next to each other at 97, Rare did just way more of a phenomenal job. And, like just being impressive technically and being very mindful of what they were aiming for. Cause I agree like, Maybe we just kind of knock out some of the visual presentation discussion here as well. But I agree. You notice that fog in all of these old games and all it was was to hide that polygonal effect that you constantly see in N64. There is none of that fog here in this game and how clean and clear it is. It, almost like, it was almost like pa- picking up Paper Mario in terms of its crispness and cleanness while still being a fairly heavy action game, which is all that much more impressive to me
1: yeah and I, I think that in the in the vein of talking about some visual stuff and how that pertains to this discussion, the the game kind of looks pretty average for the most part. I wouldn't say, you know, somewhere between the average and the bo- slightly below average area. And I think that was also intentional because, you know, if they have these really, really complex models with tons of polygons and things like that. You know, they're not going to be able to get all the action and they're not going to be able to uh have these like really gigantic maps and they're going to have to use that gray fog and all of that. So, I think that although I'm I have a pretty lukewarm opinion of how this game looks in general, uh I think that just like all the other things that I don't really like about this game were intentional and it kind of allows me to appreciate it a little bit more
0: and i would honestly say having a lukewarm opinion on the visuals is not completely out of turn because in today's day and age i i do think it's it's an okay looking game but if you look at it in the vein of 1997 uh, impressive technologically, I think, and, and, and well done for that time. It definitely, I, again, I, I rated this middle of the road because we are living in 2022, you know, so I do think it's like most of N64 hasn't aged well, and this definitely fits in that category, but it is still better than its comparables at its time, I think, because, again, I would say the visuals aren't far off from a Paper Mario-style visual, and that game came out like three years after the fact.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that what it comes down to is I don't play N64 games because I expect them to look good. Uh, good point. One could argue. One could argue that this era of video games was the ugliest <laughs> uh, era of video games since uh, you know pre Nintendo. I actually think I would argue that point. I actually think like Super Nintendo had
0: better visuals for what it was than N64. I think N64 was probably because they were trying new things technically. um, I do think the visual visuals are probably the worst in all era of video games.
1: Yeah, you can't really uh, you can't really blame developers for these consoles for how these games turned out, because it was very much so a new thing all these 3d games and you know at the time it was such an amazing jump but the super nintendo stuff and the sega genesis stuff really aged so much better because they weren't doing anything new per se they were perfecting on what happened in the 8-bit era and the pixel art uh really aged super nicely where a lot of these uh bleary polygonal games uh, especially the ones that tried doing more than they could, did not age so well. And, and thankfully, games like uh, you know Yoshi's Story and uh, Paper Mario and Blast the these games didn't try to do more, or like F-Zero X. They, they didn't try to do more visually than they thought they could. They really focused on making a game, the type of game that they wanted. And uh, I think that paid off. think that's well said
0: now uh how about we get into the next category uh let's get into sound design next uh rob how'd you feel about the music
1: and the overall actionable sounds in this game honestly the soundtrack is one of my favorite parts about the game uh it was it's very interesting it's like upbeat and intense but in kind of a non-traditional way um you think of a lot of games that have like the intense soundtrack like i don't know like think of maybe like the the san francisco rush games they have like um a lot of the time that like distorted guitar and they're going for like kind of the hard rock thing at least the first san francisco rush game and that was pretty common in this era but this game kind of brings the intensity but in a weird way like it's really such a i don't even really have words for it like you kind of just have to listen to it but it worked really well. I actually found the sound it's
0: funny you bring up rush and you bring up the like hardcore rock type of sound, right? When I was jumping into this game, I actually fully expected that to be the sound that we were gonna be jumping into. And it's almost like I I agree. I don't I don't even know how to really describe the sound. It's almost like this, like it's like I, I feel like it's almost like this Euro like it's almost like this Euro uh, electric type sound in, in some in some of the levels uh, with with almost like a little bit of an upbeat feel to it. And uh, I feel like it's almost completely opposite of what you're doing in the game. And it kind of it worked. It weirdly worked for me. And I and I I, I thought it was pretty good. And I, I didn't really get annoyed with any of this music at all.
1: Yeah, I found, you know, I'm playing this stupid backlash mission where you have to ride around this curve and, you know, a, you know, solid, like 30 minute, 30 seconds, 60 second, like drive you have to do in the backlash just to fail the mission a hundred times. And it has the song playing and I'm like, I'm not getting sick of it. So they definitely, where I was getting frustrated everywhere else, I took solace in the, uh, the, the soundtrack, which really like from, from course to course changes so much in style. That it just becomes really hard to find the words to really describe, uh, you know, to to put it in a genre, I guess.
0: For a game like this where there is so much retry that that needs to happen, uh, not getting annoyed with it is a really good thing. And I think that's a great compliment that you could give this game.
1: Yeah, and uh, on top of that, too, speaking specifically of the, the actual sound design, they do a pretty good job, too, in terms of creating a really nice uh explosion sound you know when you yes. b- when you destroy a building it really does feel uh like you're like you're fucking shit up and same with you know just a couple it a little bit with the the visual category uh although the game is pretty uh, middle of the road visually it always did look and sound and feel uh really nice to destroy each building.
0: I agree. And honestly, I think it targets well that sound uh, like with that explosion sound, cause it's not overly comical. I think it targets well to a little bit of an, not older group, like way older group, but it does target well to an older
1: group. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and I guess the last thing I got to say with the, the sound design is we got a little bit of voice acting and it's mainly at the start of each, level there's there's this lady who basically gives you uh, words of encouragement like you got this you no sweat and it's like lady uh, I millions of lives are in the balance and you're just like giving me this casual encouragement like oh you got this no worries don't don't worry about it it's like are you kidding me it just cra- it cracked me up they show a little picture of her too and she almost looks like a Minecraft character <laughs> Maybe she was the the uh, the OG inspiration. Had to have been.
0: All right, Rob. So what do you say next? We get into
1: difficulty. How'd you feel about the difficulty of this game? Well, the game starts off relatively easy. You know, you can beat most of the missions in one try, and you're kind of learning the game. And as I mentioned earlier, it it uh, you get you get kind of like smacked over the head with a difficulty brick at one point, and that curve is just a little too steep for my liking. You know, I like a nice gradual increase and I felt like the game gave you what you needed to learn how to play it and then they completely cut the cord and it just became uh pretty aggressive out of nowhere.
0: I, I very much agree. I do think the the learning curve here on this game in general, particularly the controls, were way too steep and as a result it it was almost it, it made it like discouraging um it was it was so difficult and and i do think if if you're able to play this a bit and gain a handle on the controls i can see it not being a terribly difficult game but i think myself constantly i was fighting the controls and as a result i never got good at it and i really couldn't like smoothly complete many of these maps so i do think the difficulty really lies in the controls if you're able to grab a handle on them i think the game isn't terribly
1: hard but again if you can't do the controls i do think it's too difficult of a game to be fun yeah it kind of lacks that pick up and play aspect and it it ends up becoming more of a frustrating experience than a rewarding one and you know uh I gotta say, I am an incredibly patient gamer. Uh much more some than of me. my favorite game. <laughs> I I love all the like hard ass games from you know the Super Nintendo era, you know, like your Castlevania, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, Mega Man X's, like those games are hard, but you it, it's fun to get good at those games and to learn the patterns and slowly see yourself improve. But the problem with this game is, you're like you said, you're so often fighting the controls that it doesn't it doesn't create a fun experience. It's just constant uh, frustration. And I never rage quit games, but I, I'd play this game and I'd fail a mission, and I could feel like the plastic cracking under my awesome might as I like squeeze the controller. And those controllers are only getting harder and harder to find by the day, so you can't be breaking them all willy nilly. I know, man. That's why I, I had to stop playing that game. I, I I was seeing dollar signs, and I I gotta I gotta protect my equipment while it lasts. Definitely.
0: I'm gonna hop next, Rob, into the modern day appeal. If uh, you're okay with that, and um, I'd like yeah. to I'd like to lead this one off. So for me, I felt like this game was a really great idea, and I feel like in playing it today, the game was very revolutionary at its time. Comparing it to its its other games in its year, I think this is above and beyond what you're going to get in most of those games. I do think, though, between the camera issues for me and the controls, um, this game is not the greatest day, game for me in a modern day situation. I think this game has been recreated this type of game has been recreated on many different fashions going forward. Not so much the the puzzle. And smash it up scenario. But there's plenty of smash it up games that you can get into um, that I think far surpass this. And I think it was because at the time they were really pushing the limit and it was very impressive te- technolo- technologically at the time. But, you know, we've sort of reached a point where I do think a lot of games have come beyond it at this point. So I don't think it holds up as good today as some other games we have
1: played here. Yeah. I really wanted to like this one, Steve, but I just couldn't get into it. Uh, you know, it, it looks okay-ish. It's got a strange, enjoyable soundtrack with great sounds of blowing stuff up, which I really thought was, uh, you know, one of the highlights, especially the how unique the game was. I, I At first, I was like, I was really smitten by it. Um, but all the fun stuff of this game, which is destroying shit, takes a backseat, you know, as the game progresses. And instead, I spend most of the time fighting the the game's controls. And between the controls and the steep difficulty curve, they were kind of just a deal breaker for me. And like I said, I know a lot of people like this game. Uh, So I'm probably in the minority here, especially if you like games with a challenge. But I just, I couldn't get into it. But the good news is if you like a challenge and you want to give it a try and you don't have an N64, well, first off, if you have an N64, this game's really inexpensive. Like, I think the cartridge is only like 10 or 15 bucks. So if you're looking for a new game and and you want a, a, a nice, a difficult challenge, here you go. And also it's available on Rare's uh, Rewind Compilation Pack on the Xbox Store. I have that and it's awesome. Uh, it gives you access to all the Banjo-Kazooie games with uh, kind of updated visuals and Perfect Dark and Battletoads and basically every game that that rare has put out, you can play on this collection. So definitely look into that if you uh, don't have an N64 and you want to try this one out. Awesome. So uh, Rob, what was your final score on this game? I gave this game actually my lowest score to date. I feel like usually I'm a pretty generous scorer, but today I gave this one a 2.8.
0: I actually also gave this game a 2.8, which is really funny because I felt like Rob and I both had very different opinions um, on how we felt this game. Rob seemed to dislike it a little bit more than me, and I was very, very middle of the road,
1: but um, yet we still came out with the same score. So, uh, Yeah, Steve, that's, uh, it's, it's two weeks in a row that we got the, the same score here. So I guess we're, we're really on the, the same wavelength, I guess, huh? Starting to be anyway. <laughs> it's about time. And with that, we've reached the end of another
0: episode of the N64U Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like us on Facebook via our N64U, a retro gaming podcast page, or follow us on Instagram for all of our latest updates and
1: announcements. And don't forget to subscribe and reach slash review us, slash review us on your favorite podcasting app, which will keep you up to date on our latest episodes and help you reach help us. Help us reach more lovely people such as yourself. And if you have any questions or comments, please shoot us an email at n64upodcast at gmail.com and we'll read it out on the show.
0: This is Rob and Steve signing off from your home for all things N64 here at the N64U
1: Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Perfect.